We're on part two of how to deal with secondary PTSD. We saved a spot for you. Come on in. My name is Leah Huggins. I'm a wife, a mother, and a proud U.S. Navy veteran. After two tours to Iraq, my husband was diagnosed with PTSD. My world spiraled out of control as fear, anxiety, doubt, and depression took over. I gave my life to Christ, took on a new mindset, and let go of the negativity of my past. I now help wives to find healing, encouragement, and strategy to overcome the effects of PTSD on their daily lives and in their marriage. So come on in and let's talk about it. Welcome to Marriage, Motherhood, and PTSD. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Marriage, Motherhood, and PTSD. This is the place where we empower women to support their spouse through PTSD without losing themselves in the process. My name is Coach Leah, and I am so excited that you're here to join us today. All right, y'all. So today we are covering part two of how to heal from secondary PTSD. So if you missed the show last week, be sure to go back and review it and then catch on to where we are now. All right, then come on in, grab a friend, pull up a seat and join us. The show is already in progress. So this is why it's important to take care of yourself. I always say self-care is the highest form of self-love. You want to love on yourself? Take care of yourself. (laughs) All right. So when you're facing spiritual warfare, there's a few things that you can do to win the fight. So the first thing you have to do is to make a decision. Do you stay or do you go? Take a look around and evaluate your situation. Look at where you are right now and decide if this is where you want to be. Can you continue living like this in this type of environment? If, If they didn't make any changes, if nothing were to change with them, would you be able to stay and continue in the way that things are? What you should know about making a decision is that you should take your time. You got to focus on the facts and not just your emotions. You've heard this saying before, don't make a permanent decision for a temporary situation. (laughs) All right. I knew that what my husband and I were going through was something conditional. I knew that the way he's behaving, it wasn't really who he was. And that's why I was willing to stick it out. And just for the sake of transparency, you know, let me be honest. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to say I, I, I didn't feel that way all the time. Okay. There were times that I wanted to leave and I couldn't because of many reasons, <laughs> mainly because I wasn't set up financially to do so, but that's a whole nother episode and a whole nother story to tell. All right. <laughs> I just want you to know that it's normal to have that desire to leave and not put up with stuff that you, that you don't have to put up with. But just think long and hard. You know, that's that's my advice. Think long and hard before you make a decision, because that decision, it it not only affects you, but it's going to affect everyone in your house and everyone that's connected to you. All right. Take your time. Don't make a decision based on your emotions because your emotions will change. You may hate them one moment and then love them the next, (laughs) you know, 
And you hear this, this saying all the time, follow your heart. No, 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 baby, don't do that. <laughs> the Bible tells us your heart is clearly deceitful and wicked. <laughs> when they talk about the heart in that verse, they're actually talking about your fleshly desires and the flesh will always go against what God wants. So you want to make a decision to follow the spirit and not your heart or your flesh. You got to pray and ask God for guidance. And when he gives you that guidance, pray and ask him for peace in that decision that you've made. It's, it's going to be a tough decision either way. But if you know beyond a doubt that God is with you, no matter what the road that you choose, then you'll be all right. He's with you. If you decide to go, there's no condemnation. You know your limits. You know how much you can take. So don't be don't feel bad about that. Make the decision and stick to it. Now, having said that, my only advice before you go is to have a plan in place. Are you financially equipped to take care of yourself and your children? You know, do you have a place to go? Are you OK with starting over? Have you considered the effects that this change is going to have on your children? And what have you put in place to head that off? You have to consider everything, every aspect. You just need to be prepared. And then on the other hand, you may want to stay and work on your marriage. And there's no condemnation in that. So let me tell you, people try to make you feel bad for staying in a situation that's less than desirable. You know, your decision to stay is not going to make sense to some people. But guess what? It's not their business. <laughs> All right. You may hear a lot of negative talk saying, girl, if that was me, I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't do that. Or you better than me because I wouldn't stay there. Well, I'm glad you're not staying there because it's not your relationship. <laughs> All right. And don't get me started on what people call struggle love. It's so easy to walk away, you know, and people don't want to do the work for anything these days. Marriage is work. <laughs> I know y'all know this. Marriage is work. And I believe those vows that say for better or for worse, you just you have to figure out how to make it from worse to better. <laughs> OK, this is how our grandparents and the elders used to stay together. This is how they stayed together all through these years. You know, I know it wasn't easy. I know they went through a lot and I'm sure they face a lot of the same challenges that we face. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. The difference is that they are not so quick. They were not so quick to give up. And I'm sure that there were some things that women, you know, had to accept back then in those days that today's modern woman doesn't have to accept. Um, but one thing remains, there was a lot of love and a lot of forgiveness to get them through all of those years. Forgiveness is a tool that can be used in healing from PTSD. And while I'm on forgiveness, forgiveness is a tool that you can use in, in helping you to heal from secondary PTSD. Now, forgiveness is, is not about letting somebody get away with offending you or for treating you bad or hurting you. If you look at it that way, that gives them the power. Forgiveness is for you. It's, it's you taking back your power and not letting their offense eat away at you on the inside. You know, being offended can lead to anger and anger can lead to bitterness and bitterness can eat away at you and it can affect you mind, body and soul. Bitterness is the worst kind of root because it takes time to settle there and it festers and it builds up. It's a root. If you think about a, a root in a plant or in, in nature, a root goes down and it anchors itself. You don't want bitterness to go down and anchor itself in you, you know, and sometimes you don't even know it's there. 
But if you examine the fruit, you'll find the root. So if you choose to stay in your relationship, it's going to take some work. That's just real talk. Whatever choice you make, you got to stick with it. And some people want to stay in their pain. They don't want help. They don't think they need help. They just, they don't want to change. You've heard that saying, misery loves company. Well, misery doesn't just love company. Misery loves miserable company. Okay. They want you to be as down and as negative as they are because darkness does not like the light. Even if you feel like the issues are not your fault, you have to choose to fight for your marriage. And that starts with getting yourself together. You can't control what somebody else does. You can only be accountable for your own words and your own actions. You have to get away from that mindset that says things will be so much better if only he would change. <laughs> no, sis, the issue is you and how you respond to the circumstances in, of your environment. You know, how you react to what is going on around you. Now, having said that, one thing you don't want to do, do not make excuses for their abusive behavior. You should never tolerate abuse. Again, you should never tolerate abuse. If you're in an abusive situation, get out. I cannot stress that enough. Your safety and the safety of your children, that is of utmost importance. This is your first priority. All right, once you have established your safety, then you can begin the healing journey with self-care. First, you need to start with the basics. All right, it's real simple. Eat right, exercise, and get plenty of rest. <laughs> Sounds easy, doesn't it? <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> if only it were. <laughs> Stress and pressure, they can create an opportunity um, for you to follow an unhealthy lifestyle. You know, your physical health is connected to your mental health. And it's the same the other way around. Your body, your mind and your soul, they're all interconnected. And that means that what happens to one can affect what happens with the other. If if one is out of line, it could throw the others off. And that's why it's important to keep these in harmony at all times. I didn't say balance. I said in harmony. <laughs> I know it sounds impossible, but it can be done. Consistency, that's going to be the key. Also, you want to find ways to relieve stress and simplify some of the processes that you have going on that take your time and energy. Um, you can hire a cleaning service. OK, instead of having that that hassle of cleaning your own house and that's, that doesn't make you bougie or anything like that is it's just you finding a way to take the load off of yourself or or take that responsibility off of yourself to allow you the space to do something else or to free your time to take care of you. All right. So like I said, you can hire a cleaning service. You could take advantage of childcare services and use that time uh, to take care of your business or spend some quiet time with yourself. You can even make it a date night, take some time for you and your spouse. Delegate some of those chores to the other family members in your house. Remember, it's never too early to train them up in the way that they should go. You know, you can get that little stool <laughs> or that, that chair and push it up to the sink and show those little ones how to wash the dishes, how to wash them and dry them. Show them how to clean up their toys and put their toys and their clothes and stuff away. All those little things, they make a big difference when it comes to scheduling that time and energy. Um, that it takes to manage your home or whatever it is that, that you have going on. It can make it easier for you in that space. 
So another practical way to heal from secondary PTSD is going to be by setting boundaries. Just say no, sis. <laughs> there came a time when I decided that I was not going to enable my husband anymore. And I put my foot down and said, I'm not buying alcohol anymore. I don't care if it's a can of beer. I don't care what, what it is. I'm not going to buy alcohol anymore. All right. I didn't want to contribute to any more negativity because we all knew where that was going to lead. All right. So I just said no. And that's just one example. You can make a list of all the issues that are plaguing your relationship, both with your spouse and with yourself and make another list right next to it of what boundaries you can put in place to stop that behavior. Boundaries are, are going to show people how you want to be treated and you want to make sure that there's a reasonable consequence in place for what happens when that boundary is crossed. You got to set it and stick to it. It doesn't do any good to set a boundary if you don't enforce it. Now, one thing I have found is that doing something that empowers you and being intentional and consistent with it, that helps to improve your confidence and your mental health. It's a great way to heal by building your confidence and your personal strength. So I told you I don't fight. <laughs> and there was a time that I felt helpless because I didn't know what to do in the situation. And so all of my decisions and everything were done in fear. And, you know, I was scared to speak up. I was scared to do anything, you know, because I was afraid of what would happen um, if I were to do that. And that it has to be one of the worst feelings in the world because you're not in control and it makes you feel weak and insignificant and powerless. One day I went with my daughter and we went and took kickboxing lessons. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you couldn't tell me nothing. I thought I was Black Widow. Okay. And for me, it was so liberating. Now y'all know what? We're going to have to pray for my daughter, Lord, because she liked it a little bit too much. And I saw that fighting spirit come out of her because she really enjoyed that. <laughs> so we're going to have to pray for her. All right. But anyway, I felt powerful and I felt like I could defend myself if I needed to. And that did a lot for my, my mental well-being and because I built my confidence up in that area that, okay, if something happens, I know that I can defend myself. All right. Of course, you don't want that situation to ever happen, but there's a security in knowing that if I need to handle business, I'll be able to do it. All right. Remember that trauma strips a person of their sense of power, their personal power and their sense of safety and their security. So even with secondary PTSD, you can experience all of the same emotions. So empower yourself and build your confidence. All right. It doesn't have to be kickboxing. You know, you can find something that you're interested in that feeds your soul. You know, take a class. You can start a business. You know, anything that you can do on your own uh, to improve and to better yourself. It can only build you up and make a positive impact on your life. Confidence. Definitely. Building your confidence is one of the greatest ways to heal yourself because you're finding security and you're taking control. All right. I love that. That that excites me. I love doing that. <laughs> All right. So I would say that the secret to success in my marriage is the fact that I connected with God and I ended up giving my life to him. You know, I yielded my ways to his ways. I yielded my thoughts to his thoughts, my will to his will. So there was no one, you know, light bulb moment where this this change happened. It was just a knowing, a knowing that I came into. It was something that I knew I was being called to do um, and and I acted on it. 
you know, I knew I was called to become to to get closer to God. And it was so weird. Like I just had a desire to be near him. I wanted to be at church because in the beginning, that was the only place I knew where to find it. (laughs) So it started there. And then I became consistent with my attendance. And, you know, I was there for every service, for every Bible study, every program, you know, I volunteered myself to serve. And that that actually brings me to another point. When you serve others, um, especially when you're hurting and you are in pain, it actually helps you. It's it's healing for you. It's a blessing to serve and it's a blessing to be a blessing. Um, and what it does is it takes the focus off of what you're going through. All right. Now, that's not to say that you're avoiding your problems and you're not taking care of your issues, but instead you're taking a moment to clear your mind and to it, kind of do a spiritual reset, you know, that that way you can focus, you can refocus, you can focus your attention somewhere else. And that will help you to come back and focus on the tasks that you have and the issues that you have at hand. It's kind of a break so you can clear your mind and come back and then get to work. So there will come a time that you are going to need to face your issues, you know, and all those things that you're feeling. You have to learn to work through your emotions. Have you checked out the PTSD Wives Handbook? This book is for the wife whose spouse has survived trauma and is now navigating through mood swings, flashbacks, and mishandled emotions. PTSD can create a toxic home environment and cause a divide in the closest and most meaningful relationships. As a caretaker, the PTSD wife is finding herself at the receiving end of anger, aggression, and constant negativity. This can create a personal, mental, and spiritual health crisis for her. In this book, Coach Leah uncovers the hidden wounds of trauma and the effects that it can have on your relationship. Based on biblical principles, she teaches you the tools and resources that are needed to handle stressful situations and to seek help from the Lord and foster a deeper relationship with Him. By reading this book and putting the principles into action, you're going to learn how to take control of your life and grab hold of the power that lies within. Grab your copy of the PTSD Wives Handbook today by clicking the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. You can talk them out. You can journal. You can seek help. You know, you just want to get to the root of the issue and find out what lies behind why you're accepting these behaviors from your spouse. You know, what's at the root? Is it a fear of being alone? Is it a fear of not being able to defend yourself? (laughs) All right. Is it a fear of being dumped or left? You know, do you do you struggle with your self-worth and value? Do you feel unworthy of love? You know, you have to examine all these emotions, you know, to help you target the things that you need to work on. The Bible says, be holy because I'm holy. So that's what I did. I adopted a holy lifestyle and I immersed myself in church and I began to dig deep into the word of God to try to get an understanding for myself of how I'm supposed to live my life and how I'm supposed to navigate through trying times. You know, I wanted to know God as father, as Abba, daddy, God, (laughs) it's all about relationship. But I know somebody's asking the question, well, how do you heal from something that you're still in the middle of? Like, how do you heal and you're still in that negative environment? You know, how do you find peace in the storm? 
So the the one thing that I found out is that inner peace is not determined by what's going on on the outside. All right. Inner peace is not the absence of trouble. Having real peace is really about what you choose to focus on. All right. It's about um, being able to find the stillness and the quiet, even when you're in the midst of the storm. You have to set your focus on your strong foundation and you want to let your faith be that foundation and where your hope lies. So when dealing with spiritual warfare, there are a few main tools that you can use to help you in the fight. All right. Warfare is a fight for your mind. Where the mind goes, the body's going to follow. And this is why a spiritual attack is always directed at your mind. Your mind is the main battleground. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers over this dark world. All right. That's my summary. (laughs) That's the Leah version of uh, Ephesians chapter six. So basically what that means is that your husband is not your enemy. Everything that we do is governed by a spirit. All right. Now, I'm not I'm not talking about some kind of spooky, some kind of spooky, ghostly possession, (laughs) you know, like you see in the movies. I'm talking about just what the verse says that I that I just mentioned. Everything is governed by the spirit realm. So when the conversation changes or when he flips out of nowhere, you know, just know that that's not always him. I mean, it's him, of course, (laughs) because he's the one saying it. But it's a matter of who or what he's letting take control. You know, what spirit is he letting take the lead? And it's the same thing for you. The Holy Spirit brings life and the flesh profits nothing. That's the scripture as well. I forgot where that comes from, but I know it. (laughs) So what does that mean? Basically check the fruit and you'll know what spirit you're dealing with. Because you're in a spiritual fight, you're going to need spiritual tools to win the battle. Warfare is not just about the fight for your mind, but it's also the fight for your heart because that's where your desires lie. Basically, there's been an attack from the enemy and to free yourself from him, you got to employ the tools of prayer and fasting. Prayer is a proven strategy. Scripture and prayer, they're connected. Um, in order for it to be effective, you can't have one without the other. You, you need them both to walk out God's plan for your life. And as you begin to grow in your faith, you'll grow from the surface prayers of just Lord fix it or Lord bless them (laughs) to target it. I like to call them heat seeking missiles. (laughs) Okay. And they're designed to seek out and destroy those fiery darts of the enemy. Okay. How do you do this? I'm glad you asked. Your words are weapons. Okay. They have power. What do you have to say about your situation? I want you to learn how to speak to your broken spirit and build it up with the word of God. You have to encourage yourself. Um, There's a story in the Bible, David. David is my favorite Bible character. And what happened was David faced a horrible situation. Um, He had led the men to war um, and they came back victorious. But when they got back home, they found that their camp had been raided and their wives and their family were all gone. They had been kidnapped and taken captive. So his men even though they were just kicking it with him, they were, they were excited about the win that they just had. The men all turned on him and they wanted to kill him. But David did something that we all need to learn how to do, especially when we're going through hard trying times. He turned to the Lord and he encouraged himself. If he would have let it, his emotions would have run wild and that would have just been the end. 
but he gave himself a pep talk, <laughs> right? He said, all right, now we got this. Now what are we going to do? I'm going to seek help from the Lord. So he talked to God and he got a game plan and got everything back. So your prayers have to be strategic. They must have a purpose and they must have power. The power behind your prayers is always going to be the word of God. Let the, the word of God be the engine for that missile of prayer. The word is a weapon. It's the only thing that's going to kill the desire of the flesh. The book of Ephesians says that the word of God is a weapon and you just have to know how to wield it. And that's through the power of your prayers. Fasting is about intimacy. It's, it's another act of worship. It's about intimacy with God. It's a sacrifice. We use it to draw close to God and to deny ourselves in our flesh with the intention of being able to hear from God. Yeah, you can um, abstain from food because that's what it is in the Bible. That's normally what it is. But there are other things that you can fast from. You should fast from anything that you find that you're connected to that's not like God. It's not godly. Like what? Social media. <laughs> um, it can even be certain TV shows or certain music. The news. Oh, my gosh. I have to tell my mom. <laughs> my mom will watch the news and then have a panic attack. And I have to tell her, mommy, turn on the Golden Girls. <laughs> Don't watch the news. The news, <laughs> um, sometimes it's good to fast from the news because it seems like there's nothing good on there. Everything on there is bad these days. And that can shake your faith and it can make you believe that God is not really in control. And it, it makes you lose your faith and your trust in God. But the good news is that the bad news was wrong. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you have to monitor what goes in you. And I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about what you allow into your spirit by what you watch and the things that you listen to. So that goes back to what I was saying about the news. By breaking away from all of the negativity that the media is feeding you, then you'll find that you're allowing God's voice to be the only one that you hear. And sometimes you need that reminder that he's there and that nothing happens in this world until he gives the okay for it. All right. All things work together for the good for them that love the Lord. All right. He'll remind you that he has overcome the world. So there's no need to fear. And did you know that praise is a weapon too? <laughs> praise is a weapon. There's a story in the Bible. Um, I think it's second Chronicles and it talks about Jehoshaphat and Jehoshaphat and his people, they were surrounded and they were getting ready to be attacked. And so what he did was he sought after the Lord and asked him what to do. And the Lord told him, you're not even going to have to fight. All you got to do is show up <laughs> and I'm going to fight this battle for you. And he told him to get all the praisers and to put the praisers in the front of the line. And this is unusual because usually back then you would put the singers and the musicians in the back um, to celebrate once the victory had been won. But this time by putting the, the praisers and the musicians up in the front, it was sending a message that the fight had already been won. <laughs> and when they did that, they did just as God said, and they didn't have to do anything just like God told them. The enemy ended up turning on themselves and killing each other. Okay. Praise save their lives. Amen. <laughs> now I make that point because when I'm at my lowest point, I choose to kill depression with praise. 
I may have to put on some music or, you know, I may have to sing myself or I may just walk around and just give God thanks, just telling him thank you, clapping my hands and just giving him praise. The act of gratitude can actually fight depression. There's research about that. Just think of something that you're grateful for and just give God the praise for it. That's a good journal exercise, too. You can write a list of things that you're grateful for every day. Just take time in the evening and write down a list of the things that you're grateful for. And you'll find that they will outweigh the things that you're upset about. Now, using praise as a weapon, it also works in changing the environment to change your mood. Music has a spirit. It has the power to make you feel different emotions based on the sounds and the words. If you're feeling down, you got to let praise change your atmosphere to bring you out of that funk, to bring you out of that depression or that low place. Now, just as important as the other tools of warfare, your circle is important. You need to have the right people by your side. Even if they don't know your struggles, they can still pray for you. All right. They don't have to know what's going on. (laughs) A real friend is going to discern when and what to pray for you. The Bible says that a brother is born through adversity. All right. Who you have around you and who you have speaking to you, it matters. You want to make sure you have the right one speaking in your ear. You shouldn't just let anybody pray for you. (laughs) Okay. You shouldn't let anybody speak in your ear because everyone can't minister to you. You know, the right companionship can be the one that breaks depression off of you. It's good to find a mentor or a coach or a counselor or a therapist to help you on your journey. You have to mix the power of the spiritual with the power of the practical. All right. You can fast and pray and read the Bible all day until you turn blue in the face. But if you don't put these principles into action, you're never going to see any fruit. Faith without works is what? Dead. The bottom line is that it's 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 natural to be down and to be sad when you're going through something, especially, you know, something as difficult as PTSD and the effects that you face because of it. You know, it's OK to cry, but don't sit in it. Don't stay there. You got to put a time limit on your weeping and being discouraged. You know, sometimes it's good to sit in your feelings and that way you can take the time you need to process and to work through them. But you you can't heal what you don't address. All right. You can't fix what you don't face. And as with anything, you're going to have your moments, but it's just a matter of getting centered again. I've learned that if I'm having a moment that lasts longer than it should, normally nine times out of 10, it's because somewhere down the line, I dropped the ball. You know, I might've stopped praying. I might've stopped reading. I might've stopped studying and doing the things that build me up and make me better. You got to stay in the fight, sis. All right. Healing is not an overnight process and it takes time. It takes consistency and it takes a faith that's going to go beyond what we can understand. It doesn't make sense to everybody. All right. So I'm actually not going to do a coaching moment today. I think the show was filled with plenty of many coaching moments. (laughs) All right. And I think that there is plenty of work for us to do. So instead of the coaching moment, I just want to say a quick prayer for you. Is that all right? All right. Lord God, I just thank you, God. I thank you, Lord God, for all the listeners that we have today, God. I thank you for blessing their homes, God. I thank you for empowering them, Lord God, to do whatever it is that they need. Strengthen them, Lord. Speak to them, Lord God. As they go after you, speak to them and be with them, Lord. Encourage them, Lord God. Put the right people in connection with them, Lord, so that they have the divine connections that you assign to them, Lord. The people that are going to build them up. 
Empower them and strengthen them inside, Lord God. Reveal things to them, Lord God, as they read their word and as they study. Speak to them as they worship, Lord. Speak to their hearts and speak to their mind, God. I thank you for the change that's going to come about their house. I thank you for the protection that you're giving them, that you've got your hand on them, Lord God, and that nothing can hurt them, Lord God. They're in your hands, Lord God, and I thank you for that. Ask that you have your way in their marriage, Lord. Build them up. Show them what they need to do to be the spouse that they, that they need to be for their other spouse, God. Make them who they need to be to be the parent to that child, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God. Bring them together, Lord God, in unity and in harmony, Lord God, that they work together, Lord God, with you. I thank you, Lord. I bless you, God. I bless you, God. You're worthy of the praise and the honor, God. Thank you, Lord. In all things, we give you praise. We give you thanks. In your name, I pray, Lord. Amen. All right, guys. Well, I just want to thank you so much for stopping by and spending some time with me today. I hope that something was said to encourage you and to let you know that everything is going to be all right. All right. I want you to take a moment to check out the show notes and download the Bible study guide that I created just for this episode. All right. Well, that's my time today. I want you all to be encouraged, be empowered and be blessed. Peace, y'all.